and I think Sarah is going to carry a microphone around. <coughs> and we can record that as well. Thank you. <coughs> I see there's somebody here. Are you? Yeah, with lady with the white shirt. Hi, Barbara. Um, first, I just want to say what a joy it is to have you both here today. Thank you. Um, it's just been lovely. Um, you know, to be in your presence is to remind me of what's within me. And um, actually, I want to weep when I say that. Um, and so I just feel blessed. Because not idealizing either one of you, um, it helps reflect the best that's in me. Good. Um, I was really delighted, and I wish there was more of, that you brought the Buddha's words on loving kindness. We do so much teaching about the Buddha's words, mm -hmm. but there was a real gift being given the directive experience of you know, speaking it hearing you comment. Um, so my I think I should have a question. Um, no, you don't need to. I don't need a question. No, no. If you don't have one, it's fine. Comment Thank you, that was lovely. <laughs> yeah. Yes? I'd also like to say thank you very much to both of you for coming. Yes. You truly are an inspiration. Um, I wanted to ask a question. When um, I am deep in the midst of negativity, when those sort of slings and arrows of outrageous fortune keep coming and coming, and there appears to be no light at the end of the tunnel, I can't even see the end of the tunnel. Um, I know that at that point, the Buddhist concepts are only co words to me. And it's like, um, what can I do in the midst of all of that to transform the words of wisdom into something that's alive for me then, rather than having to wait for the whole cloud of negativity to pass. I felt better what I was just speaking about the last 15 minutes. I think that was the answer. Isn't it? You know, to kind of reflect on those different, reflect on death, reflect on impermanence, reflect on what originally got you on the path, you know, reflect on some of the real big uh, teachers, examples like His Holiness or, um, you know, they can do it and then we can do it too. You know, it is just like, uh, you know, we are just maybe on a different stage of the path. And, and you know, it, it, it's just, and the you know, staying on the path means, you know, not collapsing. It doesn't have to be like a wonderful warrior-like kind of presence all the time, you know. Just not collapsing and not giving up is, is actually good enough, you know. 
and and you can envision yourself like being in a river, you know, and then if you go too much to the right, you just come back to the middle. And if you go too much to the left, you know, to one extreme, you come back to the middle. And that's that's all you need to do because the river of your life is going to carry you. But you have to be careful not to get stuck on one of the banks, you know, and being, you know, either very negative or very elated, you know. You just come back to the middle and then you just, it's going to move by itself, you know. And it, it doesn't have to be all glorious all the time because it can't be, you know. And not collapsing is, is good enough, you know. That if you just remember that, because we tend to have uh, much too high expectations, you know, about what the path has to be, you know. It's very ordinary and um, humbling a lot of the time, you know, because it's, it's the path is not about, you know, anything else but really going deeper into, into the way things are, you know. It's going, it's going down, down, down. It's not going up, 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 you know. Just remember that. And then, you know, your expectations are getting in your way, you know. And just... Uh, come back to the simplicity of, of uh, just not collapsing, that's good enough. <laughs> yeah. Just to elaborate on that a little bit, because I think mm -hmm. that that's the thing about expectations is very, very important, because what you just described, when you're describing it, that, that kind of can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, and just uh, you know one difficult thing after another, I realise there's kind of two Two way, two things is there is a there is a part of the spiritual journey which which the in the Christian mystics speak about as the dark night of the soul, which is like that where you just feel like oh you know everything's falling apart it's a total mess and it just all seems hopeless and and yet you have to keep going through that and then you come out the other side and coming out the other side it's like it's almost like a um, you know you come out with with new understanding and with new confidence having been through that and that's something that can happen and it's not uh, we can't decide when it happens or how long it's going to last or any of those things but that is something that can happen and that's and it is a bit like you're describing the sense of like endless difficulty and darkness and struggle and and lostness but like all things like all things it changes so as Santa mentioned, one thing you can be sh sure of is that we will die because we've been born. And another thing you can be sure of is that whatever has arisen will change. Everything changes. It's the, it's the law of nature. It's the Dhamma. It's the way of things. So if that's what you're experiencing, then you just kind of have to stay present as much as you can with it, and, and it will change at some point. But you're present not with a wish for it to change, but present burning in that state. So that's one possibility. <coughs> and the other is that life is difficult, you know, there's, there's challenges coming in a more normal way, in an ordinary way, and we would like it to be different. So, so what is, uh, you know, what feels like a, a problem and an obstacle and, a, you know, is actually just life. So there's, uh, there was a well, we have a very good friend who's a, a Christian nun, and she was, she was telling us about a, a woman who went to a, um, uh, I think it was like an art, some kind of art or sculpture workshop. And everybody was given this task of, of making a, an image of their path 
with clay. They had clay and they had a, a space to do it. And they were, they were asked to make some kind of sculpture of their path. So she got a little rolling pin and she was rolling out the path. <laughs> and then she kind of went over little hills and down troughs. And, and then she looked at it and they had a certain amount of time to do it in. And then she started rolling up these balls of clay and putting them on. And uh, then the, the person leading the workshop said, well, what's that? She said, well, those are the obstacles on my path. And then just as it was coming towards the end of the time that they had, she suddenly took it all apart, took away the path that she'd rolled out up so nicely, chucked that away, put the lumps back on. And then she said, I realized that the obstacles are the path. So, so it can be just a shift of relationship to what's going on from, and it's in the present. It's not a concept or a, it's not thinking about, you know, becoming enlightened or anything, but it's turning towards what is happening in the present and just seeing, is this a problem or an opportunity? It really depends on how we look at it. And, you know, can I cultivate, like if it all seems like, like darkness, can I cultivate a little kindness, a little generosity? So then you're making light in that darkness, just through that act. So we have some uh, influence in that way. Yeah. You're from England, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Nice to hear. <laughs> I think there are two people over here. Yeah. I was wondering what your um, daily spiritual practice looks like, both of yours. <laughs> we have different practices. No, <laughs> no, but we live in the same place, and you know, it's it's a little community of nuns, and we have a certain schedule, you know, which is five days a week is about the same, and then there's two two days in the week are uh, uh, days where there is no formal schedule, and yeah, and we, you know, it's it's community practice, and and. Um, which means you know working together and um, establishing a, a small monastery for nuns, and and you know the personalities living together and and bumping up against each other, and uh, at the same time, you know kind of using all of those those um, challenges for for getting to know ourselves better, you know, and. We have times of in the, like morning time of meditation yeah, together, silent you meditation. Sit down, what is our actual practice? No, we're Theravada traditions, so we don't. The Theravada tradition doesn't necessarily use the Bodhisattva vow. That's kind of a later addition, but there may be I individuals who follow that. So um, the way we um, practice it's mainly mindful, like the four foundations of mindfulness. That's the main context within which we practice. So mindfulness of body, feeling, mind states and, and objects of mind. That's the main orientation through the day. So that's when we sit and also through a more engaged life. And the cultivation of loving kindness, patience, compassion, those forgiveness, those things. And leaving the precepts, you know, having certain code of of contact as nuns, you know, which we live in and go out to teach and, and there's a lot of service also, you know, 
by you know just building this place is a lot of of uh, you know giving out of our energy you know in order to also like you know, have benefit other people who want to come to stay with us, or some people train with us uh, who are interested in become nuns. So it's you know the whole life is basically a life of practice, yeah. And we are in this now since a very long time, since the early 90s. So we are nuns for almost you know, 25 years or so. So it's a long time, and we we trained in England for a long time, in a monastery near London. Mm-hmm. And we just came over here, 2009. Yes. But we, in uh, the style of practice that we've been trained in and that we also have in our monastery, we don't, it's not like everybody has to follow this technique and then we check how you're doing with that technique. Mm-hmm. It's much more open than that. So different people have different styles of practice when, we, when you sit. And some people are more f- uh, concentration oriented and some people more open awareness oriented and some people cultivate more loving-kindness, some people more uh, devotional practices, some people contemplation of death, whatever, you know, it, it depends on What's the individual. Yeah. And, it, and that changes for each person, th- you know, through one's practice. You, you go through different times of needing different things. So it's more like open source, you know, what's, what's uh, appropriate for the person and that they use their own wisdom really to, to implement the right practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we provide the opportunity for that. Mm. I think Vita, did you have a question? Yeah. Well, first, my name is Vita. First of all, you know, I've known you for eight years, and I appreciate you more every time I'm in your presence. Well, you are just such a blessing to so many of us. Mm. Thank you. Um, so, I you were just talking about reflections, yeah, and I sort of was fogging in and out. So uh-huh. you're going to sure. say I said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you talked about reflecting on the past. No, I was saying as to not really. I, I was saying you know reflecting on death and uh, and uh, on impermanence. No, I thought you, what and, and what, what I thought what I heard was something about. Um, what you could have, what you wish you had done or couldn't. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's one way, you know, how you could reflect on death. Imagine yourself lying on your deathbed, you know, and then what would you wanted to have done with your life or what would you have wished not to have done? That sounds so depressing. Why? <laughs> I, I don't know. It doesn't sound depressing to me. Uh, for me, I find it very <laughs> motivating, you know. Because if I think back, you know, because now I still have time, you know. So, Maybe. yeah. I mean, at the moment, I'm not dead. As long as I'm not dead, yeah. I can still practice. I can still mm-hmm. do different, you know. So if there's anything, you know, which I would feel remorse about, then until I die, I can still do it, make it, dif- make it, do it differently, you know. And that, I don't find that depressing at all. Uh-huh. It's like a, it's like a means to reorientate one's life. Am I just wasting my time, following old habits, or, or and and it sharpens you up. Oh, I don't want to keep doing that. You know, there might not be much time left. It's, mm. it's, it's like that. No, reflecting. You know, yeah, because I think that's how we learn, isn't it? We learn by by opening our 
minds and hearts, you know, to do what we are doing, you know, and if we are not willing to receive any feedback, you know, from from life, then we're never going to develop and learn. And it might be very painful, you know, to really realize what I have been doing, you know. But then if I don't go through that painful process, I'm never going to change. So it might be depressing for some time, you know, depending on what one has been doing in the past. But I, for me, it was always like, um, you know, I think I, I d I'm, I'm glad I did that, you know. Otherwise, who knows, I would still do the same things I did when I was 20, you know, if I wouldn't have been realizing that there were a few things I needed to change, you know. And I made maybe a rather extreme move, you know, by becoming a nun. I, I don't expect everybody to do that. But, uh, you know, we can only learn from by opening to, to even the, dif the most difficult things, you know. And if that's depressing, then it's even more reason to change it, you know. Because there is no other way, you know, than to really um, be honest with yourself, you know. And that doesn't mean, you know, that in one minute you have to change everything. But if you're depressed about thinking what you're doing, then please change it before you're dead, you know. <laughs> because otherwise that habit, you know, is going to go with you. So, yeah. Thank you. There's somebody? Yeah. There's somebody with the orange shirt oh and sure. then behind uh, a gentleman with a blue shirt. Thank you for uh, sharing your peace and love. It's very, very touching. Uh, I've been a teacher for a long time and um, summer times has been easy to like open my heart, right? And do the work. And then the school year goes and hardship and stress and working with so many families and children and whatnot. That I find it like closing. Hold it up a bit. I yeah. find my heart yes, being thank you. Cl closing, you know, like closing off, like protecting myself. When you're, when you're working. As the year, yeah, yeah. the year goes on, and, mm -hmm. you know, all the things that we do to try to help the kids. And um, before it didn't bother me, but now that I've been practicing, it's like, it kind of bothers me that I'm, that the job is changing me or whatever mm -hmm. as the year goes on. And I have the summertime to get back to that better, you know, and then the school year starts and it's good. Is there, books or things I could do or um, I don't know there are ways mm -hmm. I could keep my heart open longer don't you know it'd be fun to make it all the way to June <laughs> <laughs> with an open heart but it, so far it hasn't it's a couple of things that come to my mind because I think what, what age group do you work with uh, eighth graders eighth graders okay mm -hmm. well that's how old is that that's uh, like 13 14 year olds 12 13 14 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome school, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> We're trying new things, you know. With the but kids. you get a lot of challenge from the kids or from the staff. Just there's, there's the tragedies and the hardships and the, you know the kids oh, that you're geez. trying to help the most, mm. you know, that really weigh on your heart. Right. And you kind of like, over time, it's just hard. Right. It's hard on you. Changes you. Yeah. So what you're speaking about really is, is like that you're taking in a lot of suffering of, of many people, and it and it's because it matters to you, because your heart is open to it, it gets yeah. more and more heavy. Yeah, that's that's. A, I'm sure that's that's um, you know not just in your job. You know, I'm sure there's other people who who know that same thing. It's like once you start, this is the thing. When you open the heart, you open it to the whole picture, and and it's it's intense. <laughs> it's hard. One thing that comes to my mind in, in relation to your work is like at home or in the evening or at the weekend or something like. That, even if it's just once a week, to go through each 
person in just to sit down and to go through each person in your school and their family and just have that intention may you be well may you be free from all suffering may you have what you need you know just to put that intention there because you can't sort it all out you know you like we also get involved in environmental issues and then you look at it and you just think oh my goodness you know it's just like it's impossible it's a mess and you can't sort it out but you can do something so you start by so it's in a way like you're strengthening your heart in relation to those kids by sending that intention of well-being not like oh god i wish i could sort it all out i can't so it's all hopeless because that's heavy but you're sending your your cultivating that intention of kindness and well-being in a very specific way to each person and their family in a sort of a contained way to each one and just do that regularly once a week or more if you can and that will that will strengthen your heart and it'll also it will have some effect on your relationship to them as well and it may have actually an effect on them you don't know it's, it's possible um, and there's also, um, you know, it's partly, it's like, part of it is knowing what we can do and what we can't do. You know, it's like, uh, to have the strength to change what we can change and, you know, the, the yeah. how's it go? There's another line of it somewhere. But the, the serenity prayer. I mean, it's, it's, a, br it's a brilliant prayer, eh, the serenity yeah. prayer, because it's, it's, that's how it is. It's like there are some things we can change, there's some things we can't change, and then the wisdom to know the difference is, is brilliant, actually, because if we're always trying to change the things we can't change, it's, it's heartbreaking and it's, it's demoralizing. And if we don't change things we can change, then it's kind of a missed opportunity. So, so it's, it's, get, it's sort of getting real about what's possible and what's not possible. And then there's also uh, certain, <laughs> which, are, which when you come to the Vihara, I can, I can show you actually, there's, there's certain energy, um, it's called energy medicine that you can do that, that helps you to not be so porous. So you're quite a sensitive and open person, I, I think, and uh, I see actually. And so you're in, you know, your, your heart is quite open and then you're in that situation and then you're impacted a lot. And there are certain things you can do that, um, where you keep your heart is still open, you still receive, but you're not so thrown around by things. So it's not like you're not shutting yourself off, but you're you're strengthening your own energy field so that you can receive stuff without it kind of breaking you. So I'm, I'd be very happy to show you those things when you come to the Vihara, because it's something that I do frequently. So, and I've really noticed the difference. For anyone who wants to look it up actually there's a woman called Donna Eden you may have heard of her she uh, she teaches how to um, strengthen your your energy field basically and your sense of groundedness and uh, your natural flow that we've been talking about this that we're all part of a natural flow of the universe so she helps to rebalance that with certain some of them are things that she's she's developed herself and some are things that are actually ancient um, knowledge in, in indigenous cultures that just sort of came to her somehow through uh, intuition. And uh, she's got a lot of stuff online that's free and sh there's books of hers and so on, but uh, that can really help, in, particularly in a situation where you're, in, you're meeting a lot of people and you're impacted by them. I found it makes a huge difference. And so. I, I think you know what, what can also help is, is reflecting on your sincere motivation to help, you know. But it doesn't mean you can help everybody because you know we don't know 
why be blind certain circumstances, you know? It's a mystery, you know? And to just, I, I always remember this uh, as a quote actually of His Holiness the Dalai Lama when people, you know, there are so many people coming to him and sharing their difficulties, the horrible things they have been experiencing in, in Tibet, you know, when they were imprisoned and, you know, asking him, what do you do with all of this stuff? People all are laying it out in front of you. And he just says, you know, my sincere motivation is my refuge, you know. You have that sincere motivation, but then you have to let go of what happens, you know, because you don't know what a person's, we would call it in Buddhist uh, way of speaking, karma is, you know, because you can't change that, because people, they have their own lives, you know, but you can have that really sincere motivation to help and benefit them, but then how that pans out is not in your control, you know, <laughs> and once you have seen that more clearly, then there is a bit more space around that you know, that that heart, that really deep wish to help, but then we have to let go, you know, and that's the right way of doing it, because you have to also include yourself in that circle of compassion, you know, because you are also a human being with, and you are not, you know, almighty or anything like that, you know, so that will help you, you know, to be more uh, kind of realistic in terms of the expectations, you know, and then there might be great surprises sometimes and great disappointments as other times, but you just keep going, you know, because it's not, it's not up to you. And I think that can, mm. you know, that can really help. You can get kind of um, what's a virtuoso in that, you know, like first you stumble and you, you try those things, then you get stuck and you have the expectations, you stumble, you get, you know, you get depressed and all of that. But it's through really with lots of kind of mindfulness, repeating those lessons again and again, you're going to learn from it, you know, and they get more and more able to stay in the, in the flow and not take it all so personal. And I know it's not easy, but that's, that's the learning, you know. Mm -hmm. And also the more you can be in that place of, of uh, you know, it's, it's about also developing equanimity, which is, a, which is a form of love. It doesn't sound like, it sounds like an indifference, but it's actually a form of love. And the more you can develop that, that sort of centeredness, then the more you can give in a way. Because when you're blown away by things, and you, you can you can do so much, and then it's all too much, you know. And I think in a position of a teacher, you know, it's, it's, it's a very important role. I know for myself, there's certain teachers who were who were so important, you know, who would just meet me in a certain way or could hear, transformative, you know. So it's a, it's a powerful role actually that you're in, and then it's finding that uh, groundedness and, and centeredness that that so that you can stay with it, so you don't give, give everything and then sort of burn out and have to go and do something else. Mm. You know, and just, you know, being able to really empathize with somebody, even you can't change the situation for them, you know, that might actually give that child, you know, the strength to keep going, you know, maybe sometimes situation they can't get out of, you know, but if you really hear them, it makes all of the difference for them, you know. It's huge, yeah. Mm -hmm because you, you change their world in a different way, not by changing maybe the material world for them, but changing something inside themselves, you know. So, yeah. Thank you. Mm. I think there, there yes, was... Just some at the back. In the back, yeah. And you know, in
theoretically we could do the meta chant. Mm-hmm. First, I'd like to, <coughs> to thank the ayas for your teaching today and for also thinking about men and opening up your monastery, at least for now in the camping. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm here from... Men uh, and, and transgender people also, oh yeah. actually, wanted to make that clear. So men, sure. women, men, and all in between. Yes. <laughs> all welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm, my name is Phil, and I'm on a road trip uh, from LA with my nephew from Asia, Southeast Asia. Uh-huh. So, um, and um, actually, my uh, another thing that I wanted to mention is that I grew up in a home where the matriarch was the ruler. So, um, <laughs> thank you so much for your teachings. And actually, my question is this: of coming from a uh, you know matriarch uh, tradition, actually, uh, what do you see the future of, uh, and uh, or even the manifestation of the Dharma actually in the world? I think that you know often we hear from a patriarchy you know tradition of even the teachings of the Dharma, and I uh, really appreciate you know uh-huh. teaching from you know uh, 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 matriarchy you know tradition. Thank you. It's beautiful. That's a very big and beautiful question. Um, I think we can both answer. Maybe um, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, I think the the patriarchal presentation is very much about transcendence, transcending the world, you know, moving away from the world into something better and more refined. And, and uh, I think for us, the, the practice is, is more about imminence. So it's not about moving away from anything, but moving into it and um, moving into the heart of it, turning towards it. And, and in that, um, seeing the, the suffering and the potential and the need for healing and transformation and, and going through that route. So it's not, um, it's not aloof or uh, you know, necessarily con- conceptual. It's, it's, it's much more about like what meeting what is happening here and now. And that isn't counter to what you know, monks also practice, but there's a certain, it's, it's in some ways it's subtle and in some ways it's enormous, the difference between um, the transcendence of the world and the, the transformation of one's relationship to the world through, through s- moving into it. And, uh, you know, part of our work is, or part of our daily life, as our Santhita was saying, is, is community, so it's relational. And uh, also, we have a, a lot of interest in this, you know, the, the state of the human being's relationship to the planet at this time. You know, the, the degradation of the planet through greed, hatred, and delusion. That we're, we're in a, a you know, we're, we're maybe in America, you know, we can still not we sort of fool ourselves that everything's okay for a while, but basically, we're in quite a serious mess. And uh, you know. The, the more old traditional way would be like, oh, let's just get away from this planet Earth. You know, it's all just it's dukkha anyway and transcendence. Our, our way is, is more to, to turn towards it and to, to move into the suffering of it as much as one can and to see what, what can we do to, to help, to transform and to, 
to bring love into that, really. It's not that we can make it right, or maybe it's, maybe it's too late, you know, who knows, but to, to, bring, to bring love and, and awareness and clarity into that situation. So I think that we're at a time now where the Dharma is more, in, in the, at least in the West, it, there's, there's more of an integration with um, social justice and ecology and science, all of those things, they're not, not necessarily matriarchal, but they're, they're all part of the, the Dharma manifesting at this time. They're not, it's, it's, not a, it's not a moving away from, but it's a, a moving into and, and bringing the Dharma into that. Yeah, and it's, it, it's a different way of, of looking what power is, you know. I think the old paradigm is like ha power, having power over, you know, like one entity having power over another entity. And in the patriarchal, you know, way of looking, it's the men having power over the women and having power over nature, you know, taking what they want and throwing back what they don't want. And it has brought us into a very critical situation. And the new paradigm would be, you know, to realize that the power lies in the relationship between the entities, you know. And, and that's how nature operates, you know, and to, to just, uh, you know, have the humility to really uh, understand, you know, that, that with the dualistic thinking mind, we cannot uh, fathom, you know, the, this intelligence which nature is, you know, kind of operating through every moment and and to you know have that um, humility to, to just you know realize that we are just part of nature and and that our power lies in into aligning ourselves with our part of it you know and not wanting to be more or have more than what is our share and and I think this is a very steep learning curve, and uh, and you know, and and and, and it's not about a matriarchy taking over, you know. But it's I think you know there was maybe like once there was more matriarchal system, then it was kind of you know changed into a patriarchal way of looking at things, and now it's about you know both coming into a way of working yeah. together yeah. A, as equals, mm -hmm. you know, because that's that's th that's the way yeah. which can you know open us up to a new future because both parts have to contribute something you know and both are, are necessary but there has to be that um, you know willingness to to listen to each other and you know within ourselves too we always have both parts in parts you know the the transcendent and the immanent you know in our own heart and mind and and to just you know um, align ourselves with the truth and and realize, you know, that the old way of doing things has created a lot of problems, and we can't really solve them from within that old worldview. We need to shift, you know, into a different way of of relating to it. And and I think, you know, the climate crisis we are in the midst of. Even you know, we are still quite sheltered, but. You know, many people on the planet are in the midst of it already. You know, it's it's the pressure cooker which will force us, you know, to rise up, because there's nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. You know, so 
this is why we also think another you know, practice is really very important now, you know, when we are going towards more and more uh, difficult times. And the practice can equip us, you know, with, with equanimity and with loving kindness, compassion, and, you know, with all of those big qualities, you know, which we'll need in order to um, hold all of that, what's, what's happening, you know, and learn from it and emerge from it in a way which is more able to live in accordance with, with the way things really are, you know, because we have been living against it for a very long time and now we are running out of a lot of basic things like water, you know. So the whole planet is holding up a huge mirror and saying, hey, you know, what are you doing? And still, you know, I, I think it was on the 18th of May last month that the emergency regulation for water were sudden after so many years, you know, <laughs> they were kind of put, you know, put into operation and then they are not easy to find on the internet, you know, because it's not very popular for politicians <laughs> to even speak about this, you know, because what matters to them is to be be again voted, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's just absolute crazy, you know. So people like that, if they would reflect on on death, you know, it would be a really good thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why we always, you know, since many years, we always bring the, the earth with us because we consider her, you know, to be our biggest teacher now, you know, because the what, what she's reflecting back to us is just very clear, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and it's also like in the Metta Sutta, isn't it, it comes up again again about like when I read through it earlier about being frugal in one's ways, being content, contented. It's like knowing what is enough and not, not always wanting more and more, better and better, and not caring where it's coming from or what it's costing to the earth or to other people. Because yeah. that, that's what we're in, you know, we, we can buy nice cheap something or other and, it, and, and somebody's in a sweatshop making it for us, you know, or, or you know, this is a friend of ours just came back from LA and said, you know, down where she was staying, it was like there was no real sense of there being a water shortage, you know, and like all of that water's coming from the Bay Area. We're in the fourth year of a drought in California, and however much American people might think that they can do what they like, you know, when water runs out, it runs out. So it's, a, it's about getting real, you know, and, and having enough. Um, Relationship, enough connection with our, with our, with nature, really, with the, with the, with the truth of the way things are, to realize there isn't a limitless source. It isn't limitless. Water is not limitless. You know, food is not limitless. We can't, we can't just do what we like all the time. We have to live within certain means, unless we are going to just endlessly exploit other, other people and resources so so it's like taking in the whole picture rather than like me and my little world and what I want and what I can have so really important I think we can do one I think more. one more question one more. and then we're yeah. going to do the chant Corey would you you have a question I'm so happy to be here today with you and wow that was such a beautiful answer to, like you said, a really beautiful question. I appreciate so much how um, the two of you integrate so much in your teaching. Um, 
And um, and I also just want to say it was really lovely to see you, Aya Santa Chita, at Joanna Macy's retreat a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm, yeah. Really enjoyed that. And um, I don't want to embarrass you, but I just so appreciate that you asked that question. Um, I think that's the first mm-hmm. time I've ever heard a man ask a question like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's happened before. I've just not <laughs> heard a man ask that. And my heart just felt so much joy. Um, because I do feel that for men and women, this integration that you're talking about is really important for all of us. And so, um, so just thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you, you know, for your questions. Yeah. And and we we wanted to do a little. Actually, we we do the the Buddha's uh, words in loving kindness in Pali at the end as a as a blessing for all of us. But now we would like to just, you know, change the uh, atmosphere a little bit. We have a little meta mantra, which is also on our website. <coughs> but now we just want to teach it to you because it's, it's very easy and it really resets, you know, the, the heart if you need some resetting at times. It's in English. It's in English and it's, a, it's got a quite a bit of a range. So that w- if we don't start on the right note, then we'll just have to go bong and then start a bit lower or a bit higher. <laughs> <coughs> So we, we just start and then you can join in. We just do it a few rounds and then we, we sit. And just to say, it's, uh, I just say the words of it because it's sometimes helpful to hear. So it's, may I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. And then we say, may you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be peaceful and at ease. May you be happy. And then may we, same. Okay, and then it goes round until we do the bell, and it'll that'll be the end of the. You can record that after the question. Did you press? Chant. Okay, great. That's perfect. And uh, and then we'll go uh, when the bell rings. Then we'll go into meditation. So just take the energy of that chant into your meditation. And then break it before the meditation. Thank you. <coughs> May I be filled with love and kindness. May I be well, may I be peaceful and at ease, may I be happy, may you be filled with love and kindness, may you be well. May you be peaceful and at ease. May you be happy. May we be filled with love and kindness. May we be well. May we be peaceful and at ease. May we be happy. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you 
be peaceful and at ease. May you be happy. May we be filled with loving kindness. May we be well. May we be peaceful and at ease. May we be happy. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I be peaceful and at ease. May I be happy. May we be filled with loving kindness. May you be May you be peaceful and at ease. May you be happy. May we be filled with loving kindness. May we be well. May we be peaceful and at ease. May we be happy. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.